I mean, I can do it if you want. Yeah, please, if you would, if you'd give me your best. What up, YouTube? <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet, I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. AI has made Emma Watson say some very strange things recently. Who's to blame? Well, would you believe... Fortune? But they aren't the only villains in this story, no. Actors are also being asked to sign away the rights to their own voice for the purposes of AI reconstruction. Also on today's episode, Dutch police have been reading encrypted messages. Some politicians in the UK want to ban encrypted phones. Apple is looking to roll out a new form of end-to-end encryption. And a police contractor that promised to track homeless people has been hacked. Cypher, we're bringing it back. For those that don't know, Cypher is a special edition of Cyber where we decipher the week's news. It is a potpourri from the Panopticon grab bag of tech horror stories and who better to join us for such an adventure than motherboard's own joseph cox jc how are you on this fine day all good thank you uh, for having me back again absolutely uh you look much more comfortable uh than you were the last time you were on the show there's a whole new set yeah whole new vibe yes usually i'm holding my microphone as if i'm a weather reporter out in the storm but now i finally managed to expense a mic stand not because they wouldn't buy it for me just because i wouldn't get around to ordering it uh and now i have a nice webcam uh, as well so yeah i'm I'm, re- I'm ready to be a, a youtube streamer now i kind of missed the i kind of missed the angry seeming like pacing energy where you'd have the crossed arms and the mic like going back and forth and talking about criminals, I enjoyed that personally. I, I mean, may, maybe in a future story, but you're you more, know, but if you're there's more, one that's particularly annoying. But you're more comfortable now. Oh, way more comfortable. I can put my neck back. I've got this chair and everything. It's great. Uh, all right. So let's start with the hot topic of the month. Uh, we kind of did the last cyber about it, but this is a diff- much different take. Artificial intelligence strikes again. What is Eleven Labs? So Eleven Labs is one of these companies that is really uh, blowing up an industry of voice generation AI. You know, I've come across maybe half a dozen of them. I'm sure there are many more. But these companies will take somebody's voice. You know, maybe you you will record the voice yourself uh, or maybe you'll upload audio snippets and then you can generate basically... Uh, a replica or I guess an audio deep fake if you want to use that word of this person and you can type in and make it say whatever you want and they're pretty convincing uh, 11 labs is one of those companies but sort of what differentiates the company ever so slightly is that it recently had a beta launch where you as far as I can remember, you didn't even really need to pay to get to grips with the technology. You could kind of just jump in and start doing some stuff. Obviously, if you pay, you get more features. Um, so the key thing about Eleven Labs is that the barrier to entry for generating these sorts of voices is now a lot lower. Right. I remember I logged in one day and I was looking around online, as we often do, and somebody had posted the thread of, 
like, wow, this AI voice generation stuff has come so far. And it was just like 20 different clips. Um, I believe that it all come from 11 labs. Uh, I'm pretty sure because one of them that I watched is referenced in your story. It's a Rick and Morty one. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell me how 4chan gets involved? Yeah. So, um, I mean, the way we found out actually about the story is a list to jump in the timeline a bit, just so people can understand how we came across it. 11 labs sent out a tweet saying, we've noticed some misuse of our platform. We're now, you know, putting safeguards in place. So that's when we see it. And then our editor, Emmanuel, goes and searches around and he finds this thread on 4chan where they've uploaded all this audio that they've generated of celebrities. Uh, and then they've included a link to, you know, beta.11labs.com or whatever, heavily suggesting that this is some of the misuse that 11labs is talking about. Um, so that's how 4chan is involved. They've found this beta, which is very easy to use, very easy to access. And they've started to use that to generate all sorts of voices. And, you know, you mentioned the Rick and Morty one there. Um, The actual particular clip is the character Rick from that show saying uh, various things about domestic violence and how he's going to uh, harm his wife. Uh, And then... From that, there's all of these different examples of Joe Rogan saying some stuff, the, a voice of Ben Shapiro saying other stuff, although as some readers pointed out, it's like, why would you need to make a, a deep fake of Ben Shapiro saying racist things? <laughs> you just go listen to Ben Shapiro. Um, but then the one that really stuck out to me, not, only, not just because what it said, but really because it was highly convincing, was... Uh, an audio replica of Emma Watson reading a section of Mein Kampf. And, you know, you, re- you reference that Twitter thread where somebody says the technology has really come far. I, I've always been pretty skeptical of this technology, but this is pretty good, at least on a technical level, you know, uh, at least listening to these voices. I mean, they're pretty convincing, in my opinion. Right. I think we first reported on it Years ago, Adobe announced that they were working on something, and I think we were all a little bit skeptical at the time, uh, but the tech has is, is gotten really wild and gone really far. Uh, I just want to read Eleven Lab's statement here, because I've got the tweet pulled up. Crazy weekend, which is a super fun way to start the tweet. Uh, thank you for everyone for trying to trying out our beta platform. While we see our tech being overwhelmingly applied, applied to positive use, we also see an increasing number of voice coding misuse cases. We want to reach out to Twitter community for thoughts and feedback. Also always a great sign when you're reaching out to the community for uh, how to fix the horrifying problem that you've unleashed. Um, Our current ideas, number one, additional account verification to enable voice cloning, such as payment info or even full ID verification, verifying copyright to the voice by submitting sample when prompted, Uh, drop voice lab altogether and manually verify each cloning request. Can you kind of walk me through, did you ever talk to them? Um, and like, what did they say they're going to do to make sure that like, you know, a famous person's voice isn't being cloned and put in God knows what? Um, I didn't talk to them for that story. I did talk to them for another one that we're going to touch upon about how voice actors feel about, uh, all of this, but obviously we'll come to that. And when it comes to the measures they put in place, I mean, it's basically what you, what you said, like, are they going to start asking for, 
identification documents? Are they going to start asking for payment info? I mean, probably the payment info is going to be the easiest one, really. But like, hey, you have to sign up with a credit card. Uh, otherwise, you can't generate voices. And that's actually how some of the other ones I've tested work. Like, I've tested a lot of these services to make replicas of my own voice. Uh, and that's why I say some of them are pretty convincing. And in at least one of those cases, I had to pay or rather sign up for a $30 a month subscription before I could even generate a voice, you know, and obviously they had my payment info and obviously they knew who I was uh, based on that. So I don't know what measures 11 labs has actually done now, but that's the sort of stuff that they were uh, proposing. Yeah. And I mean, with some of the other deep fake audio services there's there's one i remember i can't remember the name but when i tested it out when you were recording your own voice not only did you have to provide um samples of your voice you know you you didn't only have to do that you also had to read out a statement that they gave that says hi i am blah 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 i am consenting to this company uh replicating my voice and if you don't read that statement or if you don't have audio of the person with that statement then they're not going to generate it so that's also seemingly a safeguard right that you couldn't just upload audio of emma watson and generate a voice that way um but clearly when 11 labs launched they didn't have protections in in place you know and maybe maybe it was naive maybe it was an oversight something like that but Releasing a technology like this, where the barrier to entry is so low, is pretty wild. You know, like, I totally understand you want to democratize or whatever access to uh, this sort of technology. But there's going to be there's going to be repercussions to that when basically anybody can use it. You know, it's really funny that we keep people keep making the same mistakes over and over again with this kind of thing. Uh, The idea of just kind of unleashing this thing with no with no barrier to entry at all is so funny and is a problem that uh, internet forums from 20 years ago solved by, you know, charging people five bucks to sign up. It's just like a very basic content moderation policy Um, Mm -hmm. because pranks like this, if we can call them pranks, uh, stop happening when somebody has to pay five or $10 each time they want to do it. Right. If you make it easy, people are going to do it. Totally, totally, yeah. And I mean that, and the reason that kind of jumped out to me, the barrier of entry issue, is because it's also something that we've come across when we look into data selling or data buying, you know, like, oh, if I can just go onto a website and then buy location data related to abortion clinics, that's obviously a a story, and and we've done that. Uh, So it is always not just about the technology, but the ease of being able to access and exploit that technology as well. Right. Now let's talk about what some of the other use cases for this tech are, which dovetails into the story uh, that you also wrote this week or last week. Um, do, 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 do. Sorry, I just saw a good message in chat and it's distracting me now. Um, voice actors uh, are yes. being asked to sign away their, the right, their digital rights to their voice, right? You walk me through this. Yeah, sure. So after I published this first 11 Labs piece about, you know, 4chan using it to make Emma Watson uh, say bad things, uh, multiple voice actors reached out to me 
uh, also, well, not just voice actors, but also people from advocacy organizations as well. And they came out and they said, look, we're really, really concerned about this. And we're already seeing it in contracts, you know, and the contracts don't say you will let us make a deep fake of your voice. It's not, it's not that literal, but there, there are words like synthetic and I think uh, replica, you know, replication, all, the, all of that sort of thing. Um, so I decided to report it out and I spoke to, you know, multiple prominent voice actors who have worked on Halo Infinite and Apex Legends and, and various other video games and, and, and uh, animation projects. And the overwhelming sentiment that came back was, yes, this is prevalent and also this sucks. Is <laughs> obviously what a lot of these people think. And I mean, we can get into why they thought that, but, you know, this industry, people in this industry are very, very worried about what easy to use audio audio generating artificial intelligence is going to do to their livelihoods and the wider industry as well. I mean, it has the potential, if not almost in near certainty, to be honest, to like dramatically shake it up. Right. I mean, you talked to, you know, I don't know how to say his YouTube handle pros D who is the, uh, Rosie D is what Rosie I say. Is it, okay. Who is, you know, I've seen a ton of his YouTube videos. He'd make incredible shorts. Um, and he's also a voice actor, and I think people may recognize him most recently as uh, the squirrel that guards the world tree in God of War Ragnarok. Um, Reuse quote: "It's disrespectful to the craft to suggest that generating a performance is equivalent to a real human being's performance. Sure, you can get it to sound totally, totally like a voice, and maybe even make it sound like it's capturing an emotion. But at the end of the day, it is still going to ring hollow and false." Going down this road runs the risk of people thinking that voiceover can be replaced entirely by AI, which really makes my stomach turn. Um, I think that this is all, this all makes sense in terms of how we got here and like the developments over the last 10 years, right? I think uh, like Siri is a big one. Um, you get a woman to stand in a room and you and have her read every kind of part of speech that you can. Uh, in order to generate this uh, this this robot servitor for you, um, do we know? You probably don't have the answer to this. Other than like Disney, uh, has anyone been using this tech that we know of? Like any big? Not not that we know of yet. It is more that voice actors are being asked to sign over the rights to their voice and their likeness almost in anticipation of this, you know, and I, I imagine it, it may have happened at some point. And I mean, you, you even need to look at, you know, a- Apple getting into the audiobooks uh, uh, sort of industry with their own uh, artificially, artificial intelligence voices reading audiobooks and that sort of thing. So this, this is happening. I just don't know if, you know, these specific voice actors uh, had it, um, happened to them but the concerns that came up were stuff like you know if i'm a voice actor and i'm in a booth reading a script and i come across a line i don't like i can say i'm actually not comfortable saying that line or or i don't think that's right or something like that but of course if you've signed away uh the rights to your voice well the producer the client whoever the director or whoever is handling that can go well, well we'll just get the ai to read it you know like we don't need you so it almost takes consent out of it uh as well 
Right. And we're, I think the, the public is pretty inured to this right now because the AI voices are all around us. Um, I've been doing a lot of TikTok lately. It's bad for my mental health, but I'm enjoying it somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and mo- a lot of the videos have like kind of the same canned AI voiceover, right? Um, this yeah, is I hate it. I hate it. Whenever I hear that voice, I have to turn the video off. This really? honestly, the main reason I don't watch TikTok is because of those. So, that, for those voices, I was going to say something a lot stronger. Then, which, for those voices, they're which so one annoying. Specifically, yeah. is it that bothers you? Is it the, the like gruff man? Oh, it's both. There's the the stereotypical female TikTok voice, and then the man as well. They just drive me up the wall. They're, I can't. I can't so handle strange. it. They're so ghostly. Yeah. Right, um, right, and that's that's an example of a terrible, uh, a terrible voice, right? But then these companies are making voices that sound exactly like somebody talking. You know, I would just say very briefly because I didn't mention it in the earlier one is that when I've tried to make versions of my voice, they typically sound okay, except when you get to uh, words which are more British English, or there's differences in British English and American English because obviously I'm British and that's my accent. But the AI is taking my voice and then forcing an American accent on top of it because that is the option that's selected and often you can't change it so it's changing me into an american uh voice which you know that's kind of funny as well but um that is a limitation of some of these and obviously if you want to change that you just have to pay more money so like it's it doesn't say aluminium it says aluminum that kind of thing that kind of thing i don't know specifically but i uh when i say the word i say the word password and this will say password Um, which is just one, one difference, you know? Gotcha. How much input do you have to give it? A one, I gave it 100 lines of dialogue, which was not much. I had to sit here in my home and kind of like I am now and just read out lines that are appearing on the screen. Weirdly, some of them appeared to be romance novels, like he got explicit. There was like some sex stuff in there for sure. And I tried to find where that was coming from. And maybe that can be a story later on, but it really stretches from five to 10 minutes of audio. You can get a voice. And then some of them ask for 60 minutes of audio. Of course, the more you put in, the better it's probably going to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, what do you think the future of this is? Do you think are the, are the voice actors going to stand up? Uh, are they going to do any kind of organization? I know they have a pretty strong union. Um, what's going to happen? Yeah, there's definitely going to be more union work on it. You know, I already spoke to advocacy organization and the union as well, and they said something like this is uh, like a required part of bargaining. You know, so if somebody gets a contract like this, their advice is send it immediately to the union and they can work it out. You know, this is happening right now. This is part part of it is sort of uh anticipating what may come, while other is like, no, this is happening right now and this is in the contracts. Even if people's voices aren't being generated into AI all the time just yet, the contractual and the labor fights are very real and are right now. So as for what happens, I mean it will only get more prevalent. There will be maybe some high profile fights around this, you know, when that happens. Um, but it's, it's absolutely not going away. Yeah. Just wonder what our, the future of mass entertainment looks like when 
you know, I know I mentioned Disney earlier, but we have CGI recreated Luke's and Leia's uh, and uh, uh, Darth Vader's voice being reconstructed because James Earl Jones can't quite do it anymore. Um, that it's it to me, there's this aspect of it that is not only the hard work and especially like, as you mentioned in the piece, like the blue collar work of voice acting being taken away from people um, or in danger, but also freezing things in time and not letting them go. Like we're getting this Indiana Jones movie where they've de-aged Harrison Ford uh, to make an, in- to help make an Indiana Jones five we're going to be kind of stuck with these pop culture figures for much longer than I think we would have if we could have just recast something right. Or even reanimated it, but to be able to kind of resurrect Mark Hamill as he looked at the end of uh, return of the Jedi, there's something sad about that to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because when you, whenever you look at a contract for any sort of, you know, selling your rights to something, it will typically always say, you know, in perpetuity across the universe or something like that. And like that language almost just like looks and sounds ridiculous. It's like, what can I only sell this again in a parallel universe or something? But obviously that is legalese to capture everything, right? Well, now the technology has finally actually caught up where they can monetize and exploit your likeness for perpetuity across the universe, you know, because they can just generate it if you don't or can't give it anymore. Like, the, the tech has actually followed up with the contracts now, in some ways. Right. It's, it's it, especially with we're building new alternative universes in the metaverse and online, it, it just, it's, yeah, it's bizarre. Not, not great. Not great, folks. All right, there's cyber listeners. I'm going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back on with Joseph Cox after this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, cyber listeners, welcome back. Uh, Let's do another version of a story that we've done on this show so many times. Uh, What was or is Exclu? Is that how you say it? Uh, I think so. Uh, as in, like, exclusive, but right. they just got rid of the second part of the word, I guess. Uh, Exclu is, was, uh, an encrypted phone company for criminals. We talk about that every week, because there's a million of them, apparently. Um, I, I, I had heard of this company. I didn't know much about it, and it turns out it was pretty small. It only had 3,000 users. Uh, but what Dutch police have done, again is break into this company and have read user messages. You know, we've seen this uh, with EncroChat in 2020. We saw this with Sky in 2021. We actually saw it with companies like Enetcom way back in 2016. That was sort of the first one uh, that the Dutch did uh, specifically. Now, the Dutch has played 
different roles in each of these investigations, but it seems they were basically the lead uh, on this one. Uh, since we wrote that piece, there was actually some more information came out from Eurojust. They published a press release and they said that the Germans were involved because the server of Xclue was in Germany. Uh, but yeah, Xclue was another of these encrypted phone companies, which again has been compromised in some way. Do we have any idea how the Dutch did it this time? I mean, I know the mechanisms we, of this thing can be pretty shady and the, the cops don't always want to say, right? Right, right. Uh, we don't know exactly how the Dutch authorities broke into Exclude at this point. With EncroChat, for example, it was a malicious update pushed by the French military police. They got hold of the server because it was in France. And then they used that to push another version of the app to all of the phones. So that's how they did it that way. Sky, we don't actually really know how that was done. Enetcom, that one from ages ago, that was more of a misconfiguration on Enetcom's part. And the cops were able to find that it wasn't actually end-to-end encrypted. Like there was, I think, a, a, a key stored on the server and they could just decrypt them that way. Uh, something, something like that, some sort of misconfiguration. It's been a long time since I looked back into that case. Um, so it could be any of those, you know, it could be a, uh, a hack breaking to a server. It could be a misconfiguration. We don't really know yet, but what's clear is that cops are going to keep going after these, uh, companies and they'll do whatever they can, technically speaking to, you know, read these messages. Right. It seems like the, the, the best thing to do is just to throw your hands up, um, and just ban encrypted phones altogether. Sure, yeah. So this is the UK is proposing to make the sale and possession of encrypted phones for crime illegal. So, I mean, look, selling encrypted phones to criminals, even if you knowing, even if you know these people are probably going to use them for crime, that's not actually a criminal offense in most parts of the world, right? Uh, I mean, in the US, we've had stuff where the authorities will go and use uh, laws typically uh, used for targeting mafia bosses, and they'll use those to treat the encrypted phone company as um, sort of as a criminal entity in its own right. Uh, then the Dutch, they've gone around and they've charged people who sell encrypted phones with money laundering offences because the money to buy the phones is coming from drugs. So you can like do a money laundering argument there. Uh, so what the UK is trying to do now is, or at least proposing, is that, well, we want to make it a crime to sell, modify, uh, create, is maybe one of the other ones, supply, or possess one of these phones for... Uh, criminal purposes. And that, that's a massive step up. You know, this is a, a really big shift in how police may be able to, you know, tackle these sorts of companies. But it is kind of, this is one of those things where I feel like they're, they're cutting off one avenue um, because they're just talking about bespoke phones, right? They're talking about just like kind of making the whole platform. Uh, but there could still be specific apps and specific programs that would go on another platform, right? Right. I mean, the main criticism uh, from people that I spoke to is that, well, first of all, what is even a bespoke device? You know, is that something that I've installed Graphene OS on or Copperhead OS on, which are, you know, security-focused Android operating systems? If I do that and then take out 
the microphone or take out the GPS or, you know, not even do that, just do some software modifications. Is that now technically a bespoke phone? So there's that, first of all, you know, what is technically a bespoke phone or not? And then, of course, the other worry is that, well, maybe it could be so broad that it could encompass uh, apps that are being used uh, by ordinary people. Uh, I don't think it's going to cover something like Signal because, like, that's so clearly used widely by the public you know what i mean but what if there were some apps um that uh may have a criminal user base but then also may have less of a public one than signal you know like i've downloaded the cypher app for instance it was another encrypted phone company and of course one of the people included in the piece just very briefly is a dutch defense attorney who has bought these phones specifically to talk to his clients because they don't use ordinary phones, you know? Uh, and of course, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem. But at the end of the day, a lawyer talking to their client is a legitimate use case for these phones, uh, even if they're kind of shoehorned into it, you know? So it's going to be really interesting what the home office, home office lands on when it comes to a definition of a bespoke phone, but then just also what that actually means in practice. You know, like, oh, maybe a new competitor to Tor comes up or something. Like, does that fall into this as well? Like, we don't know. Right. I thought the you could have mentioned something back in the exclude piece that I thought was pretty interesting, which is this idea that uh, if you're, if I'm reading this correctly, if you find out that the police are reading your conversation with your lawyer, you can reach out to exclude and they'll remotely delete the information if justified. Am I reading that correctly? That's more for the lawyers to reach out. Okay. So if you are a lawyer and you use exclude or whatever, and you think the authorities uh, may have got your messages, you can reach out to them and be like, hey, look, I'm a lawyer. Uh, please don't read my messages. Uh, and they're supposed to respect that. Uh, but in my conversations with Haroon uh, Raza, the, the, the Dutch attorney, and he's also spoken in the Dutch press about this, you know, uh, a year or so ago, the Dutch authorities actually still continued to read his messages even when he had flagged it. And there was even like this whole issue where he, well, the Dutch authorities went to the Bar Association and tried to show them his messages. And there was this big whole like legal thing in in the Netherlands we don't really need to get into because the the, the end of the day, the Dutch authorities kept reading the messages of a, of a defense attorney. And, you know, they, they shouldn't be able to do that, you know. Let's switch tracks here again. Um... Talk about another encryption story. Apple's end-to-end iCloud could be a security game changer. End-to-end, yeah, end-to-end iCloud. Sorry, I thought I read the 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 thing wrong. What is what is going on here? Finally, iCloud is getting end-to-end encryption. There won't be any more iCloud hacks. Is that the promise of this? You still get hacks if your account gets hacked. That's the thing. Uh, and this didn't actually mention in the piece, but just very, very briefly, as, as well as the end-to-end encryption, Apple has also introduced the ability to protect your iCloud account with YubiKeys now or hardware security keys. So that's obviously a fantastic improvement when it comes to um, account security. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, wait, but yeah, wait, Apple didn't have YubiKeys before just recently? No, it was wild. So oh, iCloud has, yes, iCloud has only been secured with SMS verification and maybe 
authenticator app verification i think i, I at least know it does sms because you know i've had to sign up for it and stuff uh but yeah now it has yubi keys and it requires you to use two hardware keys in case you lose one blah 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 walks you through the process when i did it it was actually buggy and my mac froze when it was trying to set it up so you know there's some issues there but i did manage to get it to work but to go to the original question of What's happening here with the end-to-end encryption? Yeah, in December, throughout January, Apple launched end-to-end encryption for lots of data types on iCloud. So your password keychain was already end-to-end encrypted. I think your health data was as well. But now it's stuff like Siri, uh, photos, reminders, notes. I think iCloud mail, potentially. I'd have to double-check that one. But basically, sort of all the normal stuff that someone may put in iCloud is now end-to-end encrypted. Or rather, sorry, it's not on by default. You can turn on end-to-end encryption if you want. That is a key um, point here, is that you have to go into the settings and turn on advanced data protection and then go through the steps to do that. But that's now available to people, yeah. Do we think that this is going to... I mean, this is this is just a good thing, Right. There's no, there's no yeah. way that this is not a good thing. Are there, are there any issues with this? Are there any flaws that you see, um, or is it just a net positive? I mean, it's a net positive for iCloud users if they decide to turn it on. Law enforcement is probably not going to be too happy about it. Uh, I think it was either Reut- uh, Reuters, yeah, uh, a few years ago reported that uh, the. FBI had got mad at Apple when it had proposed turning on end-to-end encryption in iCloud, and Apple actually stopped those plans at the time because of this pushback. That's what the reports allege. Uh, well, now it's here, so you know clearly that didn't entirely work. Uh, but when it comes to law enforcement, they're going to be pretty mad because if you had a locked iPhone and you couldn't get into it for whatever reason, a lot of the time people would have backed up their data to iCloud. And then you can go serve a warrant or whatever on Apple and you get access to the data that way because it's just being stored on Apple's computer as well. If they now have end-to-end encryption on, well, they can't do that. They can't go to that sort of side channel, backdoor, whatever you want to call it. They can't go to Apple servers and get the data that way because it's entirely encrypted. And the only people that can decrypt it is the actual user uh, themselves. So law enforcement is probably going to have some issues uh, with this. But when it comes to the users themselves, I mean, it, it's, it's a great thing for their personal security. Right. Apple has been fighting the FBI specifically on this, I think, since at least like 2016, right? There was the San Bernardino shooter that they, 2016, they, were, yep, yeah. they were trying to get into his phone. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was all kinds of stories about, like, yes, the heads can, the feds can hack your phone. Here's how they might do it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Apple's kind of constantly been in a, 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 a technological and legal race with the feds, I think, for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we've ever since 2016, when um, there was that legal fight and an azimuth security, a company that we've covered a few times, came out and unlocked the phone for the FBI. Uh, Ever since then, you know, the technology uh, for breaking into iPhones and and modern Android devices has continued to develop and grow. You know, now we have Grey Key, uh, which is, you know, 
a tool specifically for that sort of thing, a competitor to celebrate. Uh, I'm pretty sure we have Greyki 2.0 now or, or soon. I haven't followed that story in a little bit. Uh, but this is like the landscape now is entirely different to what it was in 2016, where we have these tools that are dedicated for it. And now we have end to end encryption uh, on iCloud as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting what cops do now. I mean, maybe it's just easier to get into phones now when you do have stuff like Grey Key. Maybe it's actually not going to be that big of a deal. Uh, we don't know yet, though. We'd have to see. Yeah, I mean, what happens if you arrest somebody and they have their UB key on them, right? Right, yeah. right. I mean, I mean, the, the, those sorts of security mechanisms like 2FA or YubiKey or whatever... I mean, the law doesn't really care about them. You know, if the FBI has a search warrant to search your computer, that is what matters to them on a legal basis. Like, the, the technicalities of getting in is almost an afterthought. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if we, if we have to plug the YubiKey in, okay, well, we have the warrant. You know, that's the right. important thing for them. Yeah. Right. So, uh, hide your YubiKey in a safe. Y- yeah. I mean, it's hide the second one if you want as well. But yes. Um, all right. So before we let you go, one more thing: the Odin hack. Sorry, go. Uh, so Odin uh, is a police contractor. I was going to say was. No, they're still going. A police contractor. The you know it, it provides apps for law enforcement where they can keep track of raids and coordinate it. We've reported on how Odin was looking into making a facial recognition tool to track people experiencing homelessness. Uh, so, you know, they're pretty controversial. Uh, that, that's easy to say. Well, some hackers broke into Odin, stole a bunch of uh, internal data, and then gave it to Distributed Denial of Secrets, the transparency organization that archives and distributes a lot of this uh, hacked information. Um, they did that, and we, and we dug through it, and... You know, there is some interesting stuff in there, just almost in the breadth of the hack, I would say, in that there's audio recordings which seem to be have been made by the CEO of Odin when they were testing it, uh, that sort of thing, across the different apps. Uh, but I think it just shows that when a company does something controversial, it's pretty easy for hackers to turn their sights on them, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're always going to be a target when you're doing something that people don't like. Uh, and when you're doing something that seems a little gross to most people, right? Right. Um, that's totally. totally- and, and, and they got hacked after Wired did a story about security vulnerability in one of the apps that tracked the raids. So uh, sweeping, I imagine, ha- I think, right? Yes, yes, exactly. So, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to say the hackers saw that and went, well, they probably have other vulnerabilities as well. They even uh, they defaced the website too, right? Or right, which did. shows that they yeah, which shows that the hackers clearly had more access than just that single vulnerability the Wired found. You know, if you're able to get into the website and then other stuff like that, the, there's a lot more going on there. Yeah, I mean, they got owned completely. All right, Joseph, I'm going to let you go, uh, but before I do, most important question I'm going to ask you today. Um, when are you going to start playing the Metroid Prime remaster? I don't. Immediately. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. As soon as work finishes, that's the plan. You know what? I've never... I'm going to admit this here. I've never played Metroid Prime. I have no frame of reference for it. The last Metroid I played uh, was the side-scrolling one, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't enjoy Dread, but I'm excited to play Prime finally. I've never played it myself either, so you know, it'll be a good chance to go in. Alright, well, uh, if you want to hear more Metroid Prime talk, or, you know, probably actually what'll happen is more hacking talk, more security concerns, more AI shenanigans, please follow us on Twitch or YouTube. We're at twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV and youtube.com forward slash motherboard. Follow us there and you'll be notified when we go live. We're doing it mostly twice a week. Sometimes people don't want to be on camera live in front of the chat, which I understand and respect. But we will be back next week. Uh, Stay safe out there. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.